sharpen up my days. And welcome to the Matt Watch That Podcast, the place for reviews, rants, and randomness. I'm your host, Matt Sarosky, filmmaker, film fan. Each episode, I'm going to watch a movie or TV pilot that I probably should have seen but never got around to. It could be a recent favorite, critic's choice, or cult classic. Everyone can join in on the fun. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've discussed or suggestions as to what I should see next, use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. Before we start, prior to the pandemic, every year my office would have a costume party on Halloween. The first couple years, people kind of did minimal effort, store-bought costumes. I liked creating a theme. So my costume wasn't necessarily that flashy, but I would decorate my desk and it worked within that. So for example, one year I dressed up like the mayor from Jaws, and my desk was decorated as the beach from Amity Island, and it featured the things that you'd see in the movie, like the welcome billboard with the girl and the shark fin painted on, things like that. The next year I dressed up like Dr. Alan Grant from Jurassic Park, and at my desk I recreated the scene of the T-Rex breaking through the electric fence barrier. It was pretty cool, but the costume itself was kind of lame. Then a couple of our employees took costumes to the next level, and I knew I had to step up my game. And that's when Hannibal Lecter came out. But the year before the pandemic, one of my co-workers dressed up like a vampire, and I knew that I had seen it before. It was a pretty iconic character, but I couldn't place the movie that it was from. And he finally told me it was Salem's Lot, the TV movie. And I came to realize that I'd never seen it before. So that's a pretty big hint as to what movie I'm watching this week. On to the main attraction. Each review will end with a ranking out of five stars. One star is Skip It. Two stars Watch at Your Own Risk. Three stars Standard Fair. Four stars Worth Checking Out. And five stars Must See. Now if I give a title five stars, it doesn't mean I'm comparing it to Casablanca, Jaws, or Seinfeld. I rank titles based on other movies or TV series in that genre and at that time period. So let's jump into it. These are my ruminations and observations of the TV movie Salem's Lot from 1979. It was directed by Toby Hooper, who helmed the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Fun House, Poltergeist, though there are differing opinions if Spielberg was actually behind the camera, and Invaders from Mars. He was born in Austin, Texas, and when he was young, he would make 8mm films with his father's camera. He went to college at the University of Texas, Austin, and was a college professor in his 20s. He made his first feature, Eggshells, for $40,000, but it would be his next movie, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which grossed $30 million at the box office, making him an overnight success. The screenplay was written by Paul Monish, who scribed Operation Manhunt, and episodes of Danger, Peyton Place, and Playhouse 90. He was probably better well known as the producer of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, Carrie, and Big Trouble in Little China. It was based on the novel by Stephen King, No Child or Animal is Safe Under the Fingertips of the Master of Horror. His bibliography includes Carrie, The Shining, The Dead Zone, Firestarter, Cujo, Christine, Pet Cemetery, It, Misery, Dolores Claiborne, The Green Mile, and the Dark Tower series. 
His shorts, The Body, was turned into Stand By Me, and Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption was made into the TNT favorite. Under the pseudonym of Richard Bachman, he wrote Rage, The Long Walk, Roadwork, The Running Man, and Thinner. This is something to look out for. James Mason and wife Clarissa K. Mason have roles in the TV movie, though unrelated to each other. The rest of the cast includes David Soule, Lance Kerwin, Fred Willard, Bonnie Bedelia, Lou Ayers, Julie Cobb, and Reggie Nadler. The movie starts at a church in Himiko, Guatemala, where Ben Mears and Mark Petrie fill bottles with holy water. When one starts to radiate a blue glow, Ben says, They found us again. Two years earlier, in Salem's Lot, Maine, successful author Ben Mears returns to his hometown after the death of his wife, Miranda. He's looking to rent a place for six months and is interested in the Marsden house on the hill, but is informed by the owner of Crockett Realty that it's been sold. He recommends Ava Miller's boarding house. After renting a room, Ben goes on a walk and comes across Susan Norton, an art teacher at Holly Elementary School. She's reading his book, Air Dancer, and after some scintillating conversation that will be comparable to watching paint dry, he asks her to dinner, which she accepts. While Ben is on his date, Officer Parkins approaches the town drunkard, Weasel, who used to be married to Ava Miller, and asks him to keep an eye on the author. Weasel sneaks into Ben's rented room and investigates. He's immediately caught by his ex-wife who asks what he's doing, and they come across a work in progress with his writings. The house was a monument to evil, sitting there all these years holding the essence of evil. They conclude he's referring to the Marsden house, which was vacant for 20 years prior to its recent purchase by Mr. Kurt Barlow through Crockett Realty. Larry Crockett is summoned to Barlow and Straker's Fine Antiques, where Richard Straker requests that he have a truck available to pick up a valuable sideboard, a Heppelwhite, coming into the Portland docks that night at 7. He says that two movers are required, and they are to take the delivery into the cellar, and before they leave, they are to padlock the bulkhead door, the front door, the back door, and the shed garage. Side note, I do pronounce the word garage, but this is the way that he said it. That night, the movers pick up the crate and notice that it's very cold. Even after they load it onto the truck and turn on the heat, it still feels like a freezer. One of the workers wants to open it, especially after it moves closer to them, unassisted. Meanwhile, Ben visits his high school English teacher, Mr. Burke, and they go out to dinner. He tells his former student about Mark Petrie, who wrote the history of the town for the school pageant. We learn that Ben's aunt used to work at the Marston House, which had a reputation for being haunted. He went inside there once and found Hubie Marston hanging by his neck, but his eyes suddenly opened. The rest of the family died under suspicious circumstances. Neighborhood kids went missing. Now the mysterious Mr. Straker and Mr. Barlow come into town. Ben believes that an evil house attracts evil men. But then why is he attracted to it? Here's a quote without context. Oh, you're the writer. On vacation or vocation? Salem's Lot was a slog of a movie. I understand that it was highly influential in the vampire genre and was quite popular when it was broadcast but it felt plotting, even for 1970s standards. The first 30 minutes was a bit of a snooze fest, yet ironically, the romance angle that they introduce felt like it happened too fast. Ben and Susan meet each other and they're already falling in love. The TV movie was re-edited into a theatrical-length version for European release, and it would be interesting to watch that to see if the pacing improves. It definitely picked up in the second half, but you have to get through 90 minutes of establishing characters. 
Now, in the version that I watched, it's continuous, and I couldn't tell where night one was supposed to end and night two began. But I'm sure if I was watching, I'm not sure I would tune into night two, because the beginning is so slow in establishing the characters, and it really didn't pick up until the arrival of the package, whose contents I won't spoil. But I'm going to base my rankings on the version that I watched. Watching it over 40 years later has probably been detrimental to its impact, but I'm trying to be fair and put it in the context of the time. It's definitely effective when it comes to atmosphere. The cinematography is captured well. It's moody. You get a sense that something sinister is going on before the layers are peeled. And it has some creepy moments and decent effects, but it's certainly limited by the constraints of broadcast television. The performance of Reggie Nadler is really memorable. I mean, he's in the movie for less than 90 seconds, yet his character is what people take away from the film. That's a big kudos there. Now for a little trivial trivia. Salem's Lot was originally going to be released in theaters and directed by George A. Romero, but at the time, the field was saturated with Vampire Fair, with a Dracula remake and Nosferatu the Vampire, both being released in 1979. So Warner Brothers decided to make it a TV movie, at which Romero dropped out. The cinematography was captured by Jules Brenner, whose filmography includes The Return of the Living Dead, Dillinger, and Teen Wolf 2. It was co-edited by Tom Pryor, who worked on No Holds Barred, and episodes of The Twilight Zone, and Carol Sachs, who worked on episodes of Wonder Woman. Both were in the editing department of the short-lived series Flying High. The score was composed by Harry Sukman, who wrote the music for The Singing Nun, Fanny, and won an Academy Award for Best Music, scoring of a musical picture for Song Without End. I think the score was pretty effective. I would have liked to hear it more consistently throughout. At some points, it was only utilized as a stinger scare, which feels like a missed opportunity. The runtime is 3 hours, 3 minutes. Normally, I'd whine about the length, but it was originally presented as two parts, so it's right on target. And full disclosure, I did have to watch it in two sittings. I give it two and a half out of five stars. I feel that it might be a little harsh, especially since it was a TV movie, but it would come out about 10 years later, and I think that did a decent job of working around broadcast standards. If you've seen Salem's Lot and have opinions on the movie, let me know what you think using the hashtag Matt, watch that. <laughs> Moving right along, each episode, I'm going to post clips that I think people should watch. It could be movie trailers, music videos, interviews, or something completely random. Search for my YouTube page and there will be a playlist called Matt, watch that playback. There are a lot of scary things in this world, but nothing is more terrifying than Mother Nature. She is relentless. We've seen the widespread damage and devastation that natural disasters have caused, most recently with Hurricane Ian, which will take Florida years to decades to recover from. Now, I'm not going to go on a climate change rant. When I watch Bill Maher, and he says that the environment is the biggest issue of the day, I have to roll my eyes a bit. When we have school shootings every week, people dying of fentanyl, inflation, the limitation and elimination of reproductive rights, democracy hanging in the balance, Sorry, the ocean encroaching six inches onto the mainland by 2132 is not exactly on my most pressing issues list, but I have enough respect for Mother Nature not to downplay the signals she's sending. There is enough evidence to show that human activities are causing these weather events to be more souped up. These are storms on steroids, and we either have to change as a society or deal with the consequences. And I don't know about you, but until we can breathe on Mars, the Earth is all we got. 
You see how many people complained about wearing face masks? Well, imagine having to wear a spacesuit all the time. So we better take care of her. But I came across the five biggest tornadoes in all history, and it's as fascinating as it is terrifying. The clip is available in the Matt Watch That Playback playlist on YouTube. Check it out. Now it's time for the recommendation. Yes, that's the word recommendation with Matt in the middle. I'm going to end each podcast with my own recommendation of a movie or TV series. Today I'm talking about Only Murders in the Building. Created by Steve Martin and John Hoffman, the series focuses on three people who live in the same apartment building in the Upper West Side, Charles Hayden Savage, an actor who appeared on the 90s detective series Brazos, Oliver Putnam, a theater director, and Mabel Mora, an artist. They decide to team up on a podcast when a murder occurs in their building and they're determined to solve it. The cast is the highlight of the series. Watching Steve Martin and Martin Short interact is always a pleasure. Selena Gomez fits right in. She plays the character very melancholy. I'd love to see her have some more fun with the part. She's a really talented comedic actress. Other actors making appearance in the series are Nathan Lane, Tina Fey, Jane Lynch, Sting, Shirley MacLaine, and Amy Ryan. It's a clever show, a bit old school in its humor. I mean, this would fit in with the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour, The Carol Burnett Show. Not in a sketch comedy vein, but in its joke sensibility. I'm surprised it got greenlit because it's a, it's a little outdated, but that's what I find appealing about it. It does remind me of a lot of the sitcoms that I watched growing up, so there is a nostalgia feel to it. Only Murders in the Building has been on for two seasons, 20 episodes from 2021 to present. The series was renewed for a third season and streams on Hulu. That's all for this edition of Matt Watch That. Thanks for listening to me babble. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've discussed or suggestions as to what movie or TV pilot I should see, use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. Head over to MattSarosky.com for the latest news and updates. And come back next time for the reviews, rants, and randomness. Created by Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey. (laughs) I must have been watching Family Feud clips. Two years earlier, in Salem's Lot, Maine, successful author Ben Mears returns to his hometown after the wife of his death. Oh, jeez. That's bad even for me.